Hi, I'm Victor Miller. I wrote Friday the 13th, and you're listening to Genretainment. Hello, everyone. It's time for another episode of Genretainment over here on SciFiPulseRadio.com. We're your hosts, Marks. And Julie. And Genretainment is where we give you interviews with writers, directors, producers, and actors in both independent and not-so-independent creations. And for today's show, we get a little creepy as we talk about the world of Lovecraftian horror with our guest writer and editor, Mike Davis. Lovecraftian horror are stories by and inspired by classic horror writer H.P. Lovecraft. Davis went from superfan to much more after starting the Lovecraft Easy in a couple years ago. The site has become a hub for Lovecraft fans and Lovecraftian writers. Uh, Davis tells us why he started the site, what you can find there, and talks at length about the cultural impact that H.P. Lovecraft has left. Now, before we get started with the interview, we do want to point out that the music you just heard at the beginning of the show was a snippet from the theme song for our web series, Reality On Demand, a song composed and performed by our friend T. Sean Hardy. You can find our web series at realityondemandseries.com, which, if I remember correctly, does have the Necronomicon in it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But in a less serious manner than the tales you would read in the Lovecraft e-zine as a general rule. A general rule. Speaking of which, let's get started with our interview with Mike Davis. You're listening to Genretainment, and today we are speaking with writer, editor, and Lovecraft expert Mike Davis. So welcome to the show. Thanks. Wow, expert. Now I have to live up to that. <laughs> no pressure or anything. Yeah. Oh my God. Where's my? I got the internet close by. Oh, good. Yeah, you can Google yourself while we're while we're talking. Yes. Now, can you just tell us a little bit about the Lovecraft easing and how it started? Yeah, it's been. Um, we're about to be on our twenty-fifth issue. It's been going on since January. Excuse me, February first, two thousand eleven was the first issue. Uh-huh. So, you know, about two and a half years now. It started because I started thinking, you know, is there any, uh, you know, I read a lot of Lovecraftian anthologies, and I thought, is there anything like these on the web, you know, free to read, or even an online magazine, you know, you, even if it's a buck or two? And I, I couldn't find anything, so I, I just decided to create one. So that's how it started. Now, how did you get started uh, in Lovecraft in general? What was your introduction to the world of Lovecraft. Well, you know, a lot of people, their answer to that is, you know, especially guys, is that they discovered it in Lovecraft when they were like 11, 12, 13, and it really fascinated them. But I'm different. I really, we didn't even have a TV growing up in my household. So I, as a result, I read a lot, which is a good thing. I'm glad, mm-hmm. I, I'm glad that I did. But as much as I read, I it was mostly from the local library. And as much as I read, I never discovered Lovecraft until I was like 21, 22. And the reason why I did then is I don't remember where I read it, but I read the phrase somewhere, um, I have seen what lies beneath and it is not good to see. So I, I looked that up and I'm like, wow, what what the hell is that? That's that's pretty, That's I like that. And looked it up and found out, I think it was Through the Gates of the Silver Key. I think it was from that story. And um, then really got into Lovecraft after that. Read everything I could. Now, how did you evolve from a fan of Lovecraft to uh, becoming an editor, becoming a writer of Lovecraftian horror? The simple answer to that is that basically I didn't see anything like it on the internet, and so I decided to create it. Um, the longer answer is I would read really good Lovecraftian anthologies, and, and by that I don't mean Lovecraft stories, but 
anthologies based on the themes of Lovecraft. I, I wanted to reproduce something like that on the web. I thought, you know, for example, there's a really good anthology. There's a lot of good anthologies, but just to name a couple examples, Dead But Dreaming is a really good one. And um, Ellen Datlow did one. Uh, it escapes me right now the name of it, and I quote it all the time. But they're very, very good stories. And I thought, if I can recreate fiction like that, Lovecraftian fiction like that, yet it's free to read, that was, that was my goal. The other goal with Lovecraft Easing was, uh, that was the main goal, a, a monthly issue. The other goal was I wanted to create a place where, where Lovecraftians could kind of uh, it was, it was have a central meeting place. You know, because <laughs> a lot of times when you're a Lovecraft fan, I don't, your neighbor isn't. I mean, nobody's, nobody's heard of Lovecraft in my apartment complex. So it's nice to <laughs> use the Internet to hook up with other people and talk about Lovecraft and, you know, your interest in it. What do you think the appeal is for those who are drawn to Lovecraft? I think probably if you asked, you know, 50 different people that question, you'd probably get 50 different answers. But I think for me, and I think a lot of people would would say this in one form or another, you know, the, the, the theme of, of cosmic horror and man's insignificance in the cosmos, that kind of rings true. I mean, we're on this little planet in this little solar system on the edge of this this huge galaxy with uh, what I think four billion stars and it's one of a hundred billion galaxies in the observable universe. So, you know, we're pretty small. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Lovecraft really pioneered that in fiction, I think. And it, it rings true. I think that's one of the, the things that appeals to people, you know, cosmic horror isn't the only theme. You know, there's the themes of being the outsider, and um, not knowing your place in the world and so forth. So that, you could say, is my answer. Like I say, yes, a lot of different people, and you probably get a lot of different answers, but that's my draw to it. That's probably why a lot of, uh, why some people get drawn to it when they're teenagers, yeah. an outsider element, probably. And, yeah. they're, and they're in the world, the, they're in the, the world sucks phase, so that really, <laughs> I think, helps. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're you're getting it confirmed that the world does indeed suck. <laughs> and like, and all these adults that think they're the center of the universe, you know what? They they're really not, and they just don't realize it. But you do. <laughs> yeah, there are monsters that can eat you. They're the center of the universe. <laughs> like that, yeah. <laughs> well, you know the other thing about that. Obviously, I don't believe that alien gods out there like Cthulhu and and so forth. However. I don't know. Uh, there are Jedi Knights in England, from what I hear. So. Yeah, really. <laughs> She's talking about the little pseudo-religion of the Force. That people yeah, people up. really got into Maybe it. Maybe call pseudo-religion. Religion, yeah, that's a little offensive, offensive. I have to say. <laughs> well, you know, okay, to the, we have to do a disclaimer. To those fans who may have been uh, insulted by the pseudo-religion, he does not mean it. <laughs> Okay, sorry, go on. No, no problem. I mean, not for a minute do I believe that, that anything like that is true, but, you know, the universe doesn't care about you. I mean, uh, Cthulhu's not going to show up and eat the world tomorrow, but you know what? Next year, a meteor that, that slipped under our radar might. I mean, mm -hmm. and, you know, the Earth would could disappear, and the universe wouldn't even notice. The universe wouldn't even care. So and a meteorite could have Cthulhu in it now. Let's <laughs> say so there's the one that slipped through and hit Russia. They didn't know to look for. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. 
It's a little scary. We're, we're totally ill-prepared for it, too, if that would happen. Well, I mean, honestly, if a meteor takes out the world, there's really no amount of preparation you can do. <laughs> well, you know, we're not preparing for stuff like that, you know, but we're, but we're arguing about stuff like gay marriage, you know. So uh, I don't think the, the focus of the human race is, is quite where it should be the climate and, and things like that. It, I mean, is a meteor going to hit us tomorrow? Probably not. But the thing is, it could. So maybe we should keep an eye out. <laughs> we should definitely send Bruce Willis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he died, but he got the job done. Yeah. You asked me a minute ago about being an editor. And I don't know if you guys know who Ellen Datlow is. She's a pretty well-known um, editor of short story anthologies. She said something to me a few weeks ago about uh, editing is something that that you learn as you go, and I I totally agree with that. I mean, I I think I've learned a lot in two and a half years, and you know I want to have the attitude that I can I can keep learning. So. Well, yeah, and then it changes really. I mean, through time, if if you edited fifteen years ago and you haven't done it since then, you try to get back into it. You you know some of the rules have changed. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I'm sure that's true. You know, I've I've only got the experience of the last two and a half, almost three years, but I'm I'm sure that's true. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about the the easy and the format of it. What can a person expect in a regular issue? First of all, you can read any issue for free if you want, and I'll talk about. You can also buy it for Kindle Nook, or you can uh, listen to the podcast where audio people are are reading all of the stories. You could literally listen to the entire issue on audio. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but as far as what to expect, if you just read it online at the website, usually there's five or six fiction stories, and the last few issues, I've started a couple of neat things. There's a a new comic that a friend of mine does called Cthulhu Does Stuff. His name's Ronnie Tucker. He does it with a guy named Maxwell Peterson. It's a really funny little comic, Cthulhu Does Stuff. And so that's in each issue. And then Dr. Robert M. Price, he's a really well-known guy in the Lovecraft field, he's doing a monthly column too. So really, really interesting. And I even talked him into to reading his column for the podcast. So oh, so you know you'll so you'll you'll get, you know, five or six stories that hopefully you really, really like and you know, a a, a column, Lovecraftian column and and a comic and Yeah, I think the website's great. I, I Thanks. I know I found it a few months ago when I was looking for more about Lovecraft and, and other works and ran across it. And I was like, wow, that's really great. Cause you, on your website, you know, the blog portion of it, you, you point mm-hmm. out a lot of news and, and yeah. stories are happening or Lovecraft wise out, out about. And you also, then of course you have your, your easing. And then you also do the Google hangouts sure. very often weekly where people can get invited and, and uh, can all chat with each other. Yeah, and let me talk about them for a second, if you guys don't mind, and about the, yeah, there's a blog portion to the site where I, I blog probably four or five times a week about Lovecraftian stuff. Uh, the Easing Facebook page, I post even more links about Lovecraftian stuff, so it's not just, you know, there's a issue once a month and that's it. Um, there's a lot of stuff happening at the website. And then you mentioned the Google Hangouts, it's basically, you know like a little informal TV show, I guess, um, where uh, Google Hangout allows up to, I believe it's nine people in a video chat room. And it's a really good format, you know, and, and it, it, it has the feel. It's the next best thing to be in the same room with them. Mm-hmm. And then the nice thing is, is that people can watch it live while we're 
doing the video chat. And I also archive it on YouTube so people can watch it later if they can't watch it live. I do it every Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern. So I tell people that you don't have to be a writer or an editor. Most of the video chats, uh, unless there's a special case, everyone's invited to join, you know, up to nine people. And then there's an un unlimited number of people can watch it. So we do it every Sunday at 6 p.m. And then lately I've been doing um, once a week kind of a late night video chat as well, usually on Saturday nights. So mm -hmm. just, that's even more informal. <laughs> <laughs> just us sitting around yakking about Lovecraft. But it's been it's been really, really popular. So Yeah, because I mean, you guys talk about all sorts of topics about Lovecraft and Lovecraft-related stories. Actually, so I think that's the one you were in um, a week or so ago. Uh, this one of the late night ones. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> I, yeah, it was late night because I remember thinking, "Are you sure you got that time right?" <laughs> yeah, you know, I I, I kind of have this thing. I I like uh, I like the thought of uh, late night talk radio and. Well, yeah. it makes it really makes sense with Cthulhu too. Yeah. 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 You know, with any any Lovecraft, really. I mean, you know, it it, it seems to set the mood a bit more than okay yeah. in a bright sunny Sunday afternoon, and we're gonna. Let's talk about the end of the world. Let's talk about the end of the world, and I'm going to be lounging out in the park unless with my laptop. You know, unless it's storming, then that's good. Unless it's storming, then that's <laughs> if it's storming real bad, you're going to be streaming out of your cellar. But you know, I, I kind of had the thought that yeah, what you just said about it being late at night, and and you know, you add the video element, of course. So, but yeah, everybody well, should have like low lighting and some candles going. It'd be great. <laughs> I usually do have candles going. There you go. <laughs> and you know, Lovecraft, a lot of his stories had to deal with dreams and everything, so it's kind of fitting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, right, before, right before you go to bed, talk about it. Kind of, and also reminds me a little bit like late night, uh, the old Art Bell. Yeah. Talk show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say that. You know, it's. Uh, and I never really listened to Art Bell when he was on. I mean, I heard it once or twice, but. You know, I always really liked the idea of it. Or, you know, he's out basically in this desert radio station, and people all over the world are listening and they're talking about this spooky stuff. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah, you know, I, there used to be used to be able to late at night, you know, just and if the weather conditions are just right, just go up and down your radio dial, and you know, you know, don't know what you're going to find, and then you could also had some real gems late night television. It didn't used to all be infomercials, you know, and you used yeah. to find some, you know, great gems that were just odd and you wouldn't find other times a day. And I guess it's all pretty much now moved to the internet. Yeah. But, yeah. And I've even looked for some really good live late night talk um, stuff on the internet. And, you know, I, I haven't really found anything good. So, yeah. but I'm looking in the wrong place, but that anyway, that's, that was kind of my thought process with the late night video chats. So. Yeah, well, and sort of like I, you know, Lovecraft. You don't really think of. He said, "Oh yeah, late at night before you go to bed, he'll be like, oh, 'I'm gonna relax and read before I go to sleep.' I'm like you're reading Lovecraft. Are you sure that's healthy? <laughs> sure. Are yeah. you sure? Because that would give me nightmares. I've been having weird dreams lately. Yeah. <laughs> and you've well, been reading you know, Lovecraft. I think reading horror in general, and you know, in Lovecraftian horror, sometimes it's an escape from, you know, the real world horrors out there that we can't do anything about. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that's like watching you know movies and TV shows where there's like some monster or, or creature that they get to hunt and kill. It's like you know that it's so much easier when the bad guys 
look different and they have a particular way of behaving and you can hunt them down and get rid of them. You know, it's not like real life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so I, I really wanted to accomplish two main things. I mean, there's a lot of things I want to accomplish, but two main things with the, with the Lovecraft easing. Number one, the monthly issue and, and for people to be able to read each issue and think, you know, damn, these stories by and large are every bit as good as a Lovecraftian anthology that I'm paying you know, twelve to fifteen dollars for. You know, that's that's number one. And number two, to bring Lovecraftians together. You know, the video chats we've been talking about. That's just one way of doing that. But you know, when like I said, when you're a Lovecraftian, probably no one in your immediate area most of the time is. So mm -hmm. it's nice to have a, a place where people can congregate and you know talk about what's something that's important to them. Yeah, so. I've noticed something else on your YouTube channel. You uh, you do hangouts. Call of Cthulhu gaming oh, yeah. announce. <laughs> yeah, we do those on, on Friday nights now. Friday nights at, oh, let's see, we're doing them at 9 p.m. Eastern now. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I thought, and, and when I had this thought, I had never played Call of Cthulhu. Oh, really? Um, but I, I knew what it was all about. And I thought, you know, I want to get into this. I can't find anyone to play with in this town of 3,000 people that I live in. And... <laughs> So why don't I just do a Google Hangout where we where we do it and it's been been very successful. We're about to start our third game, so it's been pretty popular. That's very cool. Are you guys playing like uh, published stories, or are you got or your game judge creating them? We can do both. The guy that was the game master of the last game, um, Lyle, he, uh, he wrote it himself. But um, I'm going to be the game master starting tomorrow night and. You can go through, uh, go to uh, drive through RPG, I believe it is dot com, mm -hmm. and you can buy different Call of Cthulhu scenarios, you know, PDFs. Uh, of course, you can buy them in bookstores too. Uh, there's a lot of different scenarios that you can do. So, but that's an easy way. Drive through RPG dot com. You go in there and you, you know, you you pick a scenario and you basically it's telling a story, but you know the the players are in the story. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, in case our listeners aren't exactly sure what Call of Cthulhu is, it's a role-playing game, pen and paper role-playing game, kind of like Dungeon Dragons, except it's all set in the world, like a Lovecraft-type world, either the 20s or modern day. There's a few variations. Yeah. Right. You know, the, and the main difference between it, you're right, it's 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 pretty much the same. It's the same concept. The one big difference with um, Call of Cthulhu games is that usually most most of the players don't make it out alive. <laughs> you know, it's it's a Lovecraft story, so everybody either dies or goes insane by the end of the game. So, as it should be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very different. Dungeon Dragons. Your end goal is to become like some kind of godlike being, pretty much, because you level up so high. But in Cthulhu, you uh, usually go insane or die. But at least you yeah. know that ahead of time going into it. So yeah, yeah. it it's a lot of fun. Um, and we use uh, an application in the Google Hangout chat window to do the dice. So when, when somebody rolls the virtual dice, everybody can see what they rolled. Oh, I was wondering about that. Oh, I didn't know they had that. That's really cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And uh, that's like the video chats that we do on Sundays and sometimes Saturday nights. People can watch the games live. And actually, I think people get a real big kick out of watching the games live because... We probably progress about half as fast as, as we should because we're always cracking up. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun. <laughs> That's the best kind of games. Yeah, Spend half the time joking around. Yeah. 
So I don't, I don't think you can take it too seriously. So, <laughs> I'm sure there are Call of Cthulhu um, experts out there that if they listen to this, they're like, oh, my God, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. You got to put food and everything. But, you know, this is the way we do it. We have a lot of fun. And Yeah. Well, every group has their own style when they yeah. game. So. Yeah. So. As long as you're having fun, that's yeah. the important part. Yeah. That's my main rule. So <laughs> as opposed so. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of pointless if you're not enjoying it. It's not like it's paying your bills. It's not something you have to do. <laughs> no, no, exactly. <laughs> so I got a lot of pressure on me for my first uh, game master thing tomorrow night. So. Oh well, good luck. <laughs> well, good luck. Break yeah. a leg or a pencil or whatever the. <laughs> whatever the. You're supposed to say break a. He's looking at me like I'm crazy. You're supposed to break a leg before someone goes on stage. Yeah. So. Well, maybe with the Call of Cthulhu game, you... you Oh, yeah, maybe you shouldn't do that. Go insane, or something like similar. (laughs) Oh, yeah, lose your mind. Yeah, lose your mind. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the last game, it was several weeks back when uh, Lyle and and Katie, the the girl helping him, Game Master, were very impressed because I knew the the way that we should butcher this cow uh, for a ritual sacrifice. So I think I made him a little uneasy. <laughs> I'd be like, no, sorry, I'm vegetarian. <laughs> you don't yeah, eat it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually have a character who is supposed to wear leather and bone-studded armor, but oh, wow. uh, in Pathfinder. But I, I don't wear or eat animals, so I decided that since her favorite enemy was undead, I will only wear the skin and the bones of the undead. Oh, good. So good everyone should have that policy. Yeah, yeah, you know, so it's like guilt-free, but it's still very practical, and it just is really fun to just tell people, "Hello, uh, I wear the bone and the skins and skins and the bones of the undead." <laughs> yeah, they, they tend not to mess with you too much. Yeah, and it's a nice icebreaker. It really it is. is. Yeah, I'm... yeah. No, the the other players were like, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna force this cow to." to go over here so we can do the ritual sacrifice and everything. I'm like, no, no, you don't force a cow. Basically you get some food out and the cow will follow you. Yeah. And so they were very uneasy that I knew that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm from well, Iowa. Really, I was saying, really, it's the same with men. You just get some food and they'll follow you. I, it's the same thing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's divert away from how to sacrifice cows before we get in trouble. And husbands. <laughs> yeah. No cows were harmed in them. <laughs> so uh, the story's in an easing. Um, and I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Mm-hmm. See, I was supposed to give them the hard oh, questions. Sorry. Yeah. You know what? What are some of your favorite stories that have been the easing over the last couple of years? Oh, you're not gonna put me on the spot. You're gonna get me in trouble because then yeah, authors will listen and say, "How come you didn't say mine was your favorite?" <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know. I've actually got a few good answers to that question. The The first good answer is that the Bram Stoker Awards were presented last week. And uh, one of the stories, uh, you know, for 2012, uh, one of the stories in one of the issues of, the, in the March issue of 2012, was nominated for a Bram Stoker Award. And we didn't win, but... For an electronic magazine to be nominated for a Bram Stoker Award, that was a real shot in the arm for me. Yeah, so, um, yeah that's really exciting. What you know, sto- I mean, let's face it, a lot of people do look down on a publication that's electronic only. And 
when it is free, when it is electronic only, I think you have to try and be better, at least as good, if not better, as stories that people are paying for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and you have to you have to keep that up every month. Um, so that was a good story. It's um, available light in issue twelve. And a few of my other favorite stories are. Let me pull this up here. But last October, one of my favorite books is uh, Roger Zelazny's A Night in the Lonesome October. Not sure if you guys are familiar with that or not. It's a hugely popular book. I had the idea to do an issue as a as kind of tribute to it because the the book has got some major Lovecraftian themes in it. And so uh, Roger Zelazny, he's the guy that did like the Amber series, um, Nine Princes in Amber and so forth. Um, he wrote uh, Night in the Lonesome October. So, so those are some of my very favorite stories. Uh, not just because they're great stories by some great writers, but because of the theme. Oh, okay. favorite stories is actually the first story that I ever published. I mean, it was they all got published in the same time in issue one, but it was it was actually the very first story called Sledding and Starlings. And I, I, I still think about that story when people ask me about my favorites. It's a really, really good story. So, What was the name of the story that was nominated for a Stoker? Available Light by uh, John Palisano. Okay. Can you give us a little tease what the story is about? Yeah, it's basically, well, I'll, I'll read you the first couple of sentences, and I think that'll give you a great idea. <laughs> uh, the thing that fell from the sky also returned, also went back. By my sixth birthday, I'd become the neighborhood monstrosity. This in no small part had to do with the red blotches dotting my pale skin, the aftermath of my Aunt June having allowed me to play unsupervised with my cousins for too long. She didn't believe my parents after they told her about my rare disorder. And so, you know, it's about this, uh, well, I think that sums it up pretty well, actually. <laughs> it's a hard story to sum up. So. Well, you don't want to give away too much, too, because yeah. yeah. part of the whole thrill is the twists and turns sometimes. Well, it's not often you can read a Stoker-nominated story for free, so. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, lovecraftzine.com. You can just go and click on the Issues tab and try that one first if you, you want. Need- are there any other Lovecraftian type stories you would suggest to people to outside of your easy? Yeah, it's just like um, yeah. Um, the let me walk over to my bookshelf. The Dead But Dreaming anthology is is very very good. All the stories in there are very good. Um, but another one that I really like, I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan. Uh-huh. Um, there's a book called uh, uh, anthology, excuse me, called Shadows Over Baker Street. The tagline is Sherlock Holmes enters the nightmare world of H.P. Lovecraft. And that's one of my favorites. It's got a Neil Gaiman story in there called A Study in Emerald. So it's, you know, that that one's really, really good. I've got like hmm, six shelves here. So okay. <laughs> Dead But Dreaming, Shadows Over Baker Street. Um, and I don't see the other one that I'd like to recommend to you. So. It's, I like uh, the I like the idea. Oh, of I know. I just Holmes. remembered it. It's uh, oh yeah. It's I've read it several times. Uh, the other one I, I just remember is called Lovecraft Unbound, edited by Ellen Datlow, and that's an extremely good one as well. So if if you're like, okay, I've read all the free stories in this magazine, or I want to you know, read some in some books, I would really highly recommend starting with Dead But Dreaming and um, Lovecraft Unbound. I think mm-hmm. they're be awesome. I think the Sherlock Holmes one appeals yeah, that to one too. too. Hey, yeah. Check that one out. I you bet, know, I bet Robert Downey Jr. couldn't punch his way out of that one. 
Probably not. And the thing about a good Lovecraftian story is it's about the themes of Lovecraft, you know, cosmic horror and, and so on and so forth, and not pastiche where it's the same story over and over where you name drop Cthulhu or the Necronomicon and somebody tries, you try to, uh, the, the main protagonist tries to stop a cult from bringing about the end of the world. I mean, that's been done over and over and over. As I say on my submissions page, putting Cthulhu in your story or the Necronomicon is, is, doesn't make the story Lovecraftian. Um, you know, it's Dead But Dreaming, Lovecraft Unbound, and my magazine. They're, they're stories that invoke the, the themes of Lovecraft and not so much being derivative of Lovecraft. And we should mention that uh, if someone is listening to this and they want to submit a story, how do they go about doing that? Uh, well, typically you just go to the web. Usually, I should say, you go to the website lovecraftzine.com that's the um, the lovecraft zine website and uh one of the tabs at the top is is submit um i've got a probably a couple months more moratorium on submissions because i've got so many to get through uh-huh. but i i will um restart them soon so let's let's give you another tough question okay <laughs> since we're talking about lovecraft let's talk about the man himself hp lovecraft Mm -hmm. He's written, uh, I think, over 70 stories, probably. He's quite a few. Um, Which of those is your favorite and why? Um, It's like picking your favorite child. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's actually a pretty easy question for me. The three come to mind. Shadow over Innsmouth is a favorite. Mm -hmm. At the Mountains of Madness is one of my favorites. And The Shadow Out of Time. Uh, I said three, but I lied. I should say four. Uh, the fourth one was a collaboration between Lovecraft and a, and a guy called uh, R.H. Barlow called The Night Ocean. And actually, of, of any story that Lovecraft pen touched, that's actually my favorite. Uh, the Night Ocean is about a guy that he's a painter and uh, he's been working real hard on this painting and it's really stressed him out and he hasn't gotten much rest and so forth and he finishes the painting for this, I don't, I don't remember, it's a contest or, or something like that. So he finishes it, and so then he goes on vacation, and he lives, he, he goes on vacation to this little cottage on the ocean, away from the small town that's that's nearby. It's, it's all by itself. Mm-hmm. And so some strange things happen that make him realize that there's a lot going on behind the curtain of reality that he doesn't know about. And you don't really get any firm answers in the story, which is, you know, another Lovecraft themes. You know, there's 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 a world behind the world or there's this weird reality um, behind the curtain. And it's not necessarily very nice. So those are some of my favorites also. Oh, are you big. Yeah, I guess you are a big Lovecraft fan since yeah. you, uh, you visited the site and you were in one of the. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm kind of like I've always been a big sci fi fantasy horror person in general. Yeah. Uh, but I I got kind of tuned into Lovecraft back, um, I can't remember if it was in high school or college or, or what, it, what it was, but mm-hmm. whenever uh, um, the John Carpenter movie came out, uh, the third one in his Apocalypse trilogy. Uh, at the Mountains of Man, or at the, In the Mouth of Madness. Yes. And, yeah, it's a great movie. And I really enjoy that movie, and it was, uh, the themes that were very powerful, and, oh, yeah. I, and then I read about, oh, this is, you know, inspired by Lovecraft, and so I started reading up more about Lovecraft, and that's always kind of stuck with me a little bit. And then, uh, especially lately, I've you know went through a lot of the Lovecraft stories, and now I'm trying to get 
into the other Lovecraft world. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, and Lovecraft easing is a good way to do that. You know, and you mentioned in the Mouth of Madness. That's a really good example of a story. It's a movie, but you know, it's a story that uh, invokes Lovecraft themes. But you know, Cthulhu's not in the movie. There's no. It's it's Lovecraft inspired. Mm-hmm. So. Well, Cthulhu, uh, everybody thinks about Cthulhu, but Cthulhu's only in a small portion of, of the stories, really. Yeah, exactly. You know, and speak, I, I'll have to say that's another favorite. The Call of Cthulhu, I think, embodies, really, or I should say sums up Lovecraft pretty well. If you had to point to one story, um, say, you know, what is Lovecraft? What, are, what is he talking about? What are the themes? You know, you'd probably say, well, read Call of Cthulhu or At the Mountains of Madness. So, I mean, I don't know. I, you may, other people may disagree. I don't, what do you think? Yeah, I think those are pretty powerful stories. Some of his favorites. I, uh, one of the first stories I read of his that I really liked, it was really a short, short story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, my brain is fogging out here. It's out, Outsider. Oh, yeah, that, The Outsider. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was a really, really cool story with a nice little twist at the end. Yeah, and there's a really good audio drama that was done, uh, I think it was in the 60s based on that story really excellent audio drama so um, sorry sorry i was asking him if it was the one that we listened to but he's shaking his head no so sorry go on <laughs> oh no i was just gonna say that that makes me uh, think of the fact you know i've got a lot of links and downloads i've got an audio section at the site uh-huh. um if you go to the the website there's uh, a lot of the tabs or choices at the top you know, there's the regular issue, and you can read it, and so forth. Um, submission page, but the I've got a I've got a list of audios that are Lovecraftian or based on Lovecraft stories or outright readings of Lovecraft stories. So if you're looking for if you're listening to this and you're looking for some some great audios, I got a huge list at the website. Yeah, there's some really great ones out there. Yeah, uh, she was talking about um, one of the nice things about your website is you every once in a while you mention. Uh, inspirations or, or similar horror writers, and you had a, a story about Lahora. And oh yeah, Lahora. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I had uh, pulled up the audio, a radio audio show. Of, I think it's one of the ones you mentioned. Yeah. I think it was CBS yeah. Radio, and uh, had her listen to some of it. So yeah, <laughs> it was a really cool story. So yeah. did you guys listen to the Mystery Theater version? I believe so. I think that was the CBS nineteen seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Radio Mystery Theater, yeah. I like so, radio theater. I'm a huge audio drama fan. I got in, like I said, we didn't have a TV growing up. I obviously did not grow up in the 30s and 40s. <laughs> I grew up in the 80s, but late at night, they'd have these old-time, you know, they'd, they'd rebroadcast where I live, these old-time radio shows from the 40s. So I yeah. really got into it. Yeah, there's a certain kind of magic about it, you know. Yeah. You I think so. Imagine yeah. what they're saying. All the nice little sound effects. Mm-hmm. It's really clever how how they can communicate what scenes, what locations these actors are in without having to say anything. You don't see anything. Yeah, you can sound. hear the noises on the street or the the seagulls by the ocean and the yeah yeah. It's, it's really neat. Yeah, and people that aren't into it don't realize there's a difference between audio readings and audio drama. Uh-huh. Um, Audio audio readings are basically somebody's reading the book or they're reading the story, and audio drama is, you know, you you mentioned the sound effects and 
and you've got you know each actor is playing a different part you've got different actors for different parts and so forth i have a hard time mentioning anyone who doesn't know the difference because i mean haven't they listened to npr and garrison keeler's very home <laughs> companion i mean come on not everyone has. that's still on the air <laughs> Um, the, and I actually, I differentiate, I've got a different section on the audios page between audio Lovecraftian audio dramas and Lovecraftian reading. So, yeah, if you're into audio, you'll probably find something you like there. Yeah. And so, as we've spoken before, we're, we're also independent filmmakers, and um, so we love film. And I right. probably watched more Lovecraft, I've watched a lot of Lovecraft-related films over the years. Right. Like like the John Carpenter because John Carpenter has three films. A lot of people yeah. don't realize that they're they're considered Apocalypse trilogy. The Thing right. is one of them, and um, and uh, the other one's eluding my mind right now. The second uh, one. Let's see, it's the Thing in the mount in the mouth of madness, and oh, the other one is Prince of Darkness. Yes, they're all kind of Lovecraftian, but the third one, uh, Mouth of Madness, from the Mouth of Madness, especially is. Yeah. That's, all, that's all Lovecraft, Lovecraftian. <laughs> yeah, and actually, since you brought up movies, I've got a movie section, too. All right. Uh, yeah, and it's divided into three. The main section is my list of recommended Lovecraftian movies. And, you know, there's a lot of junk out there, again, where they name drop Lovecraftian, you know, things like the Necronomicon or Cthulhu, and those aren't on the list, but uh, movies that do a good job with the themes on the list and there's some really good movies there that a lot of people may not have heard about so let's check it out and see if there's some i haven't seen yeah absentia the first one on the list is actually a really good example um not many people have heard of it but it's about this well i'll just uh, the synopsis probably do a better job than me trisha's husband has been missing for seven years her younger sister, Callie, comes to live with her as the pressure mounts to finally declare him dead in absentia. As Trisha sifts through the wreckage and tries to move on with her life, Callie finds herself drawn to an ominous tunnel near the house. As she begins to link it to other mysterious disappearances, she comes to the realize, realization excuse me, that his presumed death might be anything but natural. So it's just a really well-done little movie that uses hardly any special effects. I don't. I talk, I interviewed the director. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got that post on the website somewhere, and I don't remember what he told me, but it was like you know, an insanely low amount of money that he that cost him to make the movie, but yet it was scarier than many million dollar movies we see. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, usually what you can't see is scarier than what you can. Yeah. Plus, necessity is the mother of all invention. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, you give someone a whole bunch of money, you get, like, Michael Bay's Transformers. Lots of explosions and nothing else. <laughs> well, what's your opinion of probably the most famous Lovecraft-based story, at least cult favorite, uh, which is totally comedic, uh, kind of related, but is uh, Reanimator. You well, think it's... Um, if you look at my list, mm -hmm. it's not on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that it's a horrible movie by any means, but it's not a scary Lovecraftian-themed movie. No, it's... Funny, it's... The funny, funny aside about that story, I think it was just last week I posted about an uh, author friend of mine. Uh, his name is Pete Rollick. In 1985, he was 17 years old, and he, he stole a car to go watch Reanimators. He wanted to see it so bad. Oh, 
my god. Reanimator. So, and he has a book coming out called Reanimators. So. <laughs> wow. So that's my opinion. It's it's a it's a fun B movie to watch, but it's it's not really what I think of as Lovecraftian horror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you, well, even the original story isn't quite like his normal stories. No, it's not, and it's not even the original story is not one of my favorite Lovecraftian stories. But that's not really why it's not on the list. It's just it's more of a comedy. You're right. Mm-hmm. So, but if you're you know, people listening to this, if if you're looking for some good Lovecraftian horror that sometimes invokes Lovecraftian, you know, name stuff, sometimes it doesn't, but it's very, very good. Yeah, just go to the site and click on, on movies, and I've got a real long recommended list there. Well, I guess about 12, 15 movies. But, oh, yeah. It'll take a while to get there. Yeah, you'll enjoy it. Is the, um, I don't know if it's on your list or not, but one of the kind of cool movies that I've seen is Lovecraft. Uh, adaptations is the Call of Cthulhu silent oh, yeah. film movie. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with that. It is on my list. And then their second one, I don't know if you've seen that yet, um, The Whisperer in Darkness. Uh, that's not a silent one, but um, a lot of people like that one even better than the first. Oh, I haven't seen that what one. What was the one that. you were watching the other night that I walked in at just the right time? <laughs> yeah, I was watching. Uh, there's a 2007 movie, I think it was filmed in Seattle, <laughs> called Cthulhu. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was late getting home from work, and so he's just like, I know what you mean, oh, but... my God. I will, Apparently, just as someone says, who are you waiting for? And they say, Cthulhu. And there's like this moment. All of the cats all rushed to the door and stared at the door, and then I popped in, and he's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> That's when you wish every every moment of your life was filmed privately for your <laughs> own use later on, you know? Yeah, I walked in, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Perfect timing. You know, and that's actually on my list, Marks. Um, I thought it was, yeah, I thought they did a really good job. Probably not a spoiler to say that it does not end well, so. No, you can just pretty much say that with any of them, probably. (laughs) What was the movie where Christopher Heyerdahl plays Lovecraft? Time Out of Mind. Yeah. Yeah, he did a fantastic job. Actually, I've got to add, that's actually on my to-do list to add that to my list because I had forgotten about (laughs) it. That actor can be so creepy. Yeah. His like his smile and his voice—that's really awesome. That's just thing. such a cool little movie, and I, I'm not really a fan of Lovecraft being in Lovecraftian stories, but that's a really cool little movie. It was, and he did an excellent job as Lovecraft. Yeah, he's very uh, Another good one's Dagon. That's actually based on uh, the Shadow over Enzma, and I thought they did a pretty good job too. Yeah, that seems to be a popular one. I've seen it. It's always syndicated late night. A lot of times, I've seen it. Yeah, that was the same guy that did Reanimators, um, Stuart Gordon, right? I believe it is. Yeah, he's done yeah. a bunch of movies that are Lovecraft inspired or adaptations. Yeah, several. Um, he did uh, for the Masters of Horror. He did Dreams in the Witch House too, which was an hour long one. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've got In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, one of, that's one of your favorites. Uh, there's a, uh, I, and I won't keep boring you with my big long list of movies it's just a fun thing to talk about um kevin costner movie from a couple years ago uh the new daughter and if you haven't seen that you really really should huh okay yeah i don't even remember hearing about that but that doesn't mean anything i'm like not in the loop anymore <laughs> yeah it's it's really really good Let's check it out i like kevin costner yeah, yeah. i thought he did a great job if you haven't seen the movie yet and it's real i'm not just a lovecraftian i'm a comic book 
Ah, <laughs> uh, well, welcome to the fold. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm also a time travel geek, so I've got like three shelves of time travel books. Oh, really? I'm yeah. sensitive about time travel. Like, if if it can annoy I'm the allergic crap to out it. of me, <laughs> I'm okay. Like, we can it's watch Doctor Who, and it and it doesn't have to make sense because it's Doctor Who, and they just sort of right. so light in the sci-fi itself. But if I'm watching something that's generally like a TV show that's generally more heavy into the we explain things really well in science fiction. I'm always like, but how is that a pa- not a paradox? That is not going to work because once they yeah, did you and see then it, Looper with it, Bruce Willis? Which one? Looper with Bruce Willis. I think yeah. You you did. Yeah. Oh man, what a stupid. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, at the very I'm not I sh- I'm not going to get say any spoilers here, but man, the it made absolutely no sense. The paradoxes. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was well acted. Yeah. But um but yeah, I, I end up just part I mean, I we're not even halfway in a, a time travel something and I'm going, but that doesn't make sense. If you did this, then that and then I get so flustered by the fact that there's no internal logic and a great deal of time travel stuff that I just can't enjoy myself. Yeah, I'm exactly so, the same way. In fact, and Marx is like, why can't you just shut up and watch it and enjoy it? <laughs> That's pretty much exactly what happened with Looper. I was <laughs> I was saying that about Looper, and my wife was like, um, can we just watch the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, you and I should watch it, and then let your wife <laughs> yeah. and Marx watch it. <laughs> yeah. Be like, yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, you're right, that's stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the hell are they thinking? <laughs> There, see, it's not just me. For some reason, it popped in my head. What would have been a fantastic TV show? I don't know if you've seen it or not. There was an unaired pilot that we saw a few years back of a time tunnel remake. And oh yeah, I know. I didn't see it. I think I heard about it though. It was actually quite good. I was disappointed they didn't make it. Yeah. Uh, oh really? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was very not. good. Yeah. I um, forgot about that. That was actually pretty good. Yeah, I don't know why that popped in my head, but uh, I don't know, and I don't know why some of these shows get picked up and some of them don't. Some of them that you picked up have terrible pilots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it so much that if I ever do a second magazine, it would probably be quarterly because you know in, instead of monthly. But if I ever do a a second magazine like Lovecraft using um, that that kind of format, it'll be time travel themed. So yeah, oh, just cool. do it quarterly, and then if in the future you decide to do more, you can go back in time and exactly. insert more issues. In fact, the only way that you're going to be your story will be accepted is if you send it to me after I've published it. Right. <laughs> Excellent. I, I I like this. We can we can work out some rules here. <laughs> that'll I sort of like on the Big Bang Theory where. He's for the roommate agreement, signing all this, all these paperwork, and he goes, and this is where you, you agree that if you create time travel machine, that you'll come back in exactly five seconds and let us know. So he signs it, and they wait, <laughs> and he's like, darn it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've always been into time travel. I, I guess we're getting off topic here, but so much so, I remember being a 10, 11 year old kid thinking, I sure hope that. I stumble into a time machine, you know, when I'm an adult or something. Okay, if I do, I'm going to come right back to this exact moment so that I, I know that it's going to happen. You know, <laughs> I was very disappointed when, when well, maybe my you my still, adult me did not come back. I was going to say maybe future you still does, but for some reason knows 
that they would alter, he would alter the future of the young you too much if he were to actually do exactly. it. I'm so, going to believe that. Yeah, you may still <laughs> stumble upon time travel. It's just that you, by then you have the wisdom to not go back and do what the teenage you wanted you to do. That's, yeah, man, I'm 42 now. I'm very mature. <laughs> not too far behind you and i don't know that we'll ever mature <laughs> <laughs> now lovecraft does have a little bit of time travel in his story oh right? yeah shadow out, out of time uh-huh. it's, of course it's very great story of course it's more like mental time travel or well not quite like that i guess but it, it's like personality displacement uh-huh. yeah. in fact you know the guys i don't know if you know this but the guys that did um the silent film call of cthulhu and the whisper in darkness uh-huh. They've done several audio dramas, and that's that's one of them, Lovecraftian audio dramas, and they are excellent. Oh, really? Yeah. Just Google um, Dark Adventure Radio Theater. Okay. And maybe add the word Lovecraft. I don't know if you'll have to or not, but then you'll, you'll find them. Are they uh, available for free, or do you have to download them? No, they're like $10 for download, or I believe it's like $19.99, somewhere around, somewhere around the $20 mark for the CD, but the nice thing about is is that um, you get all these really really cool props like uh, the first one they did was uh, at the mountains of madness and you know you got these news articles about the you know the south pole and stuff like that it's pretty cool huh. uh, yeah i i have we haven't done it a whole lot lately but i grew up i mean we had television but we weren't really we weren't really allowed to watch too much of it. Yeah. And um, we had, you know, those old stereos that took up an entire length of a wall, you know, uh-huh. that had the the turntable and the eight track and, you know. And yeah. uh, and so we would listen to records and they would be like Bill Cosby records and, you know, like yeah. records of people telling stories and, th- and things like that. And, you know, there'd be a lot of times where... You know, when I was growing up on a Friday or Saturday night, I mean, it was, we had the lights kind of, it was a hot summer night and the windows and everything are open so you don't have any lights on and you're listening to the stuff on the radio. And I mean, that was your, that was your Friday or Saturday night. Yeah, I love that. And in fact, you know, I've even, you know, I've got a 10 year old son and it's a bit of an accomplishment, I think, and it says a lot about him that first century where there's so many things. Uh, that can get a kid's attention. That he's he's into audio drama too. In fact, oh, he likes cool. he likes old time radio shows. Uh, you know, like I do. So that is cool. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for audio and audio drama. Mm-hmm. So which which brings up each issue. You know, you can read them for free, and they'll always they'll always be free to read at the website. But you can also download a podcast of each issue for ninety nine cents. And you could also read it on your Kindle or Nook. Those are two ninety nine an issue. So now, uh, do you still have a contest going on right now about something? Uh, something about gaming with like the 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 creator of Call of Cthulhu and yeah, Sandy Peterson. Um, he's a friend of mine. Um, he's going to the Friday night games that we were talking about earlier that I do mm-hmm. Call of Cthulhu games. He's going to run a game in September for me and be the game master, which if you're into Call of Cthulhu and you heard me say that, that'd be like a dream come true for you. So he's, 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 he's got a huge amount of fans. Either going to do a contest for that or 
I'm going to do a, I'm probably going to, I'm going to do some kind of fundraiser soon for the magazine and probably going to be Kickstarter that I, but I haven't decided for sure yet. And if I do that, um, that'll, that'll be one of the rewards that people can bid on is to, um, you know, do the Call of Cthulhu game where Sandy's the, the game master. So oh, that's really cool. That's a good idea. Well, yeah, I think that'd be a cool reward if you're into Call of Cthulhu. We were at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. You know, I mean, there was hundreds of people there, but he was there and I was there. We were both guests, but he was like one of the main uh, guests. And people bid in the that Kickstarter to fund the HP Lovecraft Film Festival in Portland. Uh, that was one of the rewards. And I think people paid like $150, $200 a piece to play uh, a game with him. Wow. He's got a lot of fans. <laughs> Before you go, if we could get you to tell everyone, you know, where on the web, again, um, where they can find all your stuff. Yeah, thanks. Um, just uh, go to lovecraftzine.com. Uh, and if you accidentally type in lovecraftezine.com, that's fine. You'll still get there. It's um, www.lovecraftzine.com. Okay. And that's where you can read the, the monthly issues and the blog's there, and you can see the list of recommended Lovecraftian movies and audios and all that good stuff that we've been talking about. And then also got a huge Facebook page. There's like, uh, oh, there's over 10,000 followers now. Um, it's That's facebook.com slash lovecraftzine. So if you're into Lovecraft, I post about I post about Lovecraftian links and, and stuff like that. So... Yeah, those are, those are the two main places. And you're on Twitter, and you got a YouTube channel too, I imagine. So yeah, the the link to the YouTube channel and the Twitter is on the left side of the the website, so it's pretty easy to get to. Okay. I won't bore you with the URLs here. <laughs> Can I say one last thing? The weekly uh, Google Hangouts, uh, everyone's welcome. If you're love, if you're into Lovecraft, you're welcome to either watch the show live or you can join us in the chat room. So. And how can people get to that? Just go to the web, the website, lovecraftzine.com. Yeah, the, again, the top menu, uh, if you look at the right side, you'll see uh, one of the choices is chat, and that's the video chat. It'll, it'll give you all the details there. Okay. Oh, excellent. Yeah, great. Thank you. All right. Well, you have a really great evening. and You too. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a all good right. night. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Talk to you soon. This is Dirk Manning, the writer and creator of Nightmare World, Tales of Mystery, and Love Stories About Death, as well as that writer on column over at Newsarama.com. And you are very fortunate right now because you are listening to Genretainment. Well, special thanks to Mike for chatting with us, and we wish the Lovecraft easing luck and hope to see it continue to grow and grow. Check out the site if you're looking for some creepy tales or perhaps want to submit your own. Hopefully its website visitors per month will rise like... Cthulhu in the ocean. I don't know that you really want Cthulhu to rise, from what I've heard, but... Um, it matters who you talk to. Maybe we want an indirect relationship, like the easing readership to rise while Cthulhu sinks. Maybe. I want Cthulhu and Godzilla to go at it. I'm just saying. It's going to happen someday. Can he just pretty much just eat Godzilla? I don't know. I guess he is bigger. I don't, I'm not really sure. I, I, I don't think if he threw King think, Kong and Godzilla at him, he would blink much. I don't think Lovecraft was really... Does he have an eye? Does he blink? Uh, his eyes, yeah. Okay, well, he wouldn't blink, I don't think, if he threw Godzilla and King Kong at him. 
Just saying. I don't know. Someone's going to make that. <laughs> I'm surprised someone hasn't. So that's it for today's genre-tainment, but fear not. We'll be back soon with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series. You can also check out the other great shows on this channel like SFP Now, The Roundtable, and more. Until, Until next, next time! time. <laughs>